Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and uh, I trust that you're enjoying what we're sharing from the Word of God, and uh, we're sharing some things from the book of Hebrews, and today we're going to be talking about the book of Hebrews chapter 10. This will be the fourth program that we have aired on Hebrews chapter 10, and I trust you've been blessed by the things that we've been sharing from Hebrews the 10th chapter. If you've missed any of the programs, though, and you'd like to go back and uh, and uh, take a look at some of the things to refresh your memory. I, this, I believe, is an incredible teaching that we've done. I believe it's a powerful piece of work that we've been able to record because of television. I'm normally not in a setting for more than three days, and, and it's impossible to unpack all of this. But with television, I can spend all the time I need to in the studio to really be able to dig in and get a hold of some of the precious nuggets of gold that we can mine for in these books. So if you'd like to go back and listen to some of what we've taught on the book of Hebrews, everything we've aired to date is archived on YouTube. And the easiest way to do that is simply to go to my website at lenhouse.com and there is on the opening page a uh, picture of this television studio. If you will tap on it, it will take you directly to our YouTube page, or there is an icon in the upper right-hand corner that pictures YouTube, and it will bring you to our YouTube channel that has everything we've aired. You can watch it at your leisure. If you would say, well, I, d I don't have time to sit and watch YouTube. That's how I'm, I'm so busy. I don't have time to really sit and watch a lot of stuff. But I will listen to podcasts and download podcasts. So we have a podcast there that has the audio portion of our program, uh, on iTunes, and you can go down and listen to that at your leisure, again, when you're mowing, when you're jogging, when you're driving to work, and redeem the time. Get the Word of God in you that way. It's easy to do it that way. If you say, well, I don't have uh, an Apple device, well, there is an RSS feed there for your Android device, and it's in the upper right-hand corner also of the website. And while you're there, take a look at all of our books and CDs and resources that we have. There's all kind of series on there that I believe will bless your heart as you get them and listen to them. Our books are listed there. We have several books and um, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, Unforced Rhythms of Grace, my newest book, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift is there. And uh, when you get these resources, they'll be a great blessing to you, but they're also uh, what, you, uh, what you spend and give also helps us and empowers us to take the gospel around the world. We broadcast about five times nationally on a national television platform, which uh, sometimes they say gives us about 100 million U.S. homes per airing. And that's not counting the internet stuff that and the YouTube stuff that gives us access to almost 2.1 billion people. So your seed sown into this ministry is sown into good ground and has the potential to bring a really big harvest of souls into the kingdom. Uh, that being said, let's jump in the Word because I want to try to finish Hebrews 10 today. Uh, and I'm going to read a lot of it and then we'll come on and try not to review too much. But it says, For the law having a shed of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshiper once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. 
But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance again made of sin every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. He's talking about taking away the first covenant, the old covenant, and establishing the second one. By the which will we are sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Verse 14 says, For by what offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so what this whole chapter was about, chapter 10, is that those former offerings could not make the comers therein too perfect, and especially could not deal with the conscience. But what he tells you in this is, to me, one of the most pivotal points that helped me so much to get a peace in my heart is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ sanctified us. So we're sanctified not on the basis of our performance. We're sanctified on the basis of the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then he tells us in verse 14, by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So he's telling you in Hebrews what the first covenant could do in bringing you to perfection this covenant and this offering and this blood of Jesus did it exactly that so that we can, wherefore the Holy Ghost also is witness to us for after that he said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Jesus is not going to do it again and he is not asking for another offering. He's trying to tell these Hebrews, there's no more need for you to offer one more bull or one more goat or one more sacrifice. Can you imagine how difficult that would have been if you were a first century believer? Your whole life you've been raised around the temple. You knew on certain days we bring a lamb. On certain days we bring this sacrifice. On certain things we do this. And here's the writer of Hebrews saying, no more. You don't need one more sacrifice. Because this sacrifice was the most perfect and complete sacrifice forever. So that now what he says is that I made a new covenant, and I'm on this covenant, it's not going to be rules written on rocks. It's I'm going to write my law in your heart and your sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness then, by the blood of Jesus, to enter the holiest, by a new and living way which he is consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Don't run from God, but draw near to God in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from this evil conscience. I talked about that in a prior segment, so I'm not going to go back and rehearse that. We've been set free because the blood of Jesus has been applied to our conscience that was seared with a hot iron 
And again, the word seared there is the Greek word cauterizo, and it means that the flow of blood was stopped. The, the, the Greek word cauterizo is our English word cauterize, to stop the flow of blood. But I'm glad that he opened the flow of blood back to our conscience, not so we wouldn't feel bad about doing wrong things. That's not what the point is here. It's so that we would draw near the purpose of our hearts being sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies was washed with pure water is so that we can hold fast the profession of our faith without backing down. I'm going to tell you today, I am more secure in my faith than knowing that I am saved. Even though I failed and made mistakes, my perfection and my sanctification is on the basis of what Jesus did. And I can draw near in full assurance of faith, having my heart sprinkled from an even conscience where I don't need to run from God anymore, that even when I'm weak, I can run to Him rather than run from Him. I can hold fast the profession of my faith without wavering because He's faithful that promised. The next thing is we need to consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. In other words, even though we don't have uh, the pressures of condemnation and guilt, we need to provoke one another. You know, you can encourage your friends to do bad things, but you can also provoke them to love and to good works. And he goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now let me, before I shift here, say that I wish I had a, a whole segment just for this, but I don't want to take the time for it. I wrote in my notes, some assembly required. Now, I believe that this is talking about the corporate gathering and coming together, and I truly believe in the local church. But I believe this is more than coming together. And I do believe that there's a need for, and I think you need to get your family and take your family to church. It's one of the most easy things you can do to change your life would be to come, become part of a community of believers. And especially if you've got the ability to find a place that believes the gospel of grace. Now, let me say, he says to them, but when the Lord gave this to me, he said, some assembly required. And I said to the Lord, what he said, he said, it's like having a bicycle in a box. All the pieces are there. But if you don't assemble that bicycle, you don't ever have a vehicle. And I believe that's the way it is with the body of Christ. We've got a bicycle in a box. We've got a powerful vehicle that can get us from the old covenant to the new covenant. But we need to put the parts together. We need to assemble. In other words, connect ourselves to the body that we can become part of a corporate expression. And the assembly is more than just coming together in the same church group. But he says, even the more so as you see the day approaching. Now, let me say that the day that was approaching was the day of judgment. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be quick because I only have one more subject I want to, I want to deal this, with this in. But as you see the day approaching, the day he's talking about was the day of judgment that was coming in A.D. 70. It was the destruction and the removal of the temple, and it was the destruction and the removal of all that was considered to be part of this old covenant system. So that all of a sudden, it almost looks like out of left field, he said, you need to assemble even more so as you see this day approaching. For then he comes and says, for if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now that almost looks like an oxymoron in relationship to what we just said about he has perfected forever, then they're sanctified. But stay with me and I'm going to explain this to you. 
but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose you, you shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongs unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great flight of affliction, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For we, you had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, after you have done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not cherry. Now the just will live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now let me just stop here, because he says right on the heels of that, you've been perfected forever on the basis of a sacrifice. And then he comes back and says, you know, the blood of Jesus is better than the blood of bulls and goats, that you don't cast away your confidence. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. You can... Uh, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to back down from your profession. You've been made, access has been made to the most holy place through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And then boom, out of left field, he comes and says, but if you sin willfully, if you sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Let me make sure I got it just exactly right. If you, if you sin willfully after you receive the knowledge of truth, the, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now let me make this clear because this has drove a lot of people nuts. And I dealt with this as well when I was doing chapter 6 of Hebrews, so you can go back and listen to that one as well. But the sin that he's talking about here is the sin he's warning them about all through the book of Hebrews. And that sin, see the word sin means to miss the mark, not just a bad action. It is a bad action, but it's not, it's to miss the mark. What is the mark here? The mark is the new covenant. The mark is believing in Jesus. The mark is there's a new and living way. To miss that mark and to sin willfully would be to go back to Judaism and offer the blood of bulls and goats. Because what he's saying there is that there if, you, if you sin willfully, once you've received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. And he talks about a judgment and a fearful, fiery indignation that's going to devour the enemies. And he's, he's talking about those that despised the law of Moses died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye he shall be thought worthy who hath trodden the, underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite to the Spirit of grace. In other words, he said, if you sin willfully and you go back to Judaism and you offer the blood of bulls and goats and you go back to animal sacrifice and you go back to all of this stuff that he's telling them they need to come out of and you do it willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. In other words, he ain't saying you can't be saved. He's saying there's not another sacrifice coming. This one did the job. And if you walk back, if you go back to animal sacrifice and the blood of bulls and goats, you are walking over the blood of Jesus and you are saying it is not good enough. 
and you're doing despite to the Spirit of grace, and you do that, he said, you are trampling underfoot the blood of the covenant wherewith you've been sanctified and calling it an unholy thing. The thing that scares me about some of the dispensational teaching is that it teaches that there's a restored temple coming and they're going to restore the blood of a red heifer or the blood of bulls and goats. Listen, that's absurd to me. And if you go back to offering the blood of bulls and goats, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. God was so serious about this that what He's saying to them is, listen, that day that is approaching is the day of judgment that was coming to destroy this temple, this animal sacrifice system, and this whole system of Judaism was about to be dismantled within a couple years of Hebrews. Go back and watch all of them, especially chapter 1 where I talked about the last days. is not in your future. It was the last days of the old covenant. And the judgment that was coming is not some nuclear bomb out in the future. It was the judgment of God dismantling that system because everything about this chapter is warning them, don't go back. And he's reminding them, hey, listen, you suffered the spoiling of your goods. You're losing loved ones in the arenas. You're, 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 you're losing, your stuff is being confiscated. You're being persecuted by the Romans and by uh, the r- religious rulers of the day. And you're going through a lot of stuff and everything about it is tempting you to go back because you're 30 some years into this new covenant and it doesn't look like anything's really changed because we still got them lighting candles, baking bread, and offering animal sacrifices in the temple. And God is saying to them through this apostle, don't go back. Don't sin willfully. Don't offer the blood. Don't trample back over the blood of Jesus and count the blood of the covenant as an unholy thing because that's where judgment and vengeance was coming to was not new covenant folks because the law is what works wrath. And the reason you see wrath here and in the book of Revelation is not because it's some future wrath, but it was a wrath that came in A.D. 70 to keep God's end of the covenant bargain that the only way to curse people uh, under, uh, and is to put them back up under the law because cursed is everyone who continueth not at all the, the things of the law. So what, what was happening here is that they're wanting to go back and it's in light of this that he begins to say, listen, call to remembrance the former days in which you were illuminated. You fought a great fight of faith and then he, even as he, and I'm jumping ahead of myself here, But he begins to remind them in Hebrews 11. He said, listen, man, look to your heroes of faith. Look away from this momentary persecution. Look at your Abraham, your Isaac, these men by faith. Moses kept the Passover. He he suffered affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin. By faith, Noah built an ark. Everything about Hebrews 11 was trying to get them to take their focus off of their immediate program or problem, I'm sorry, and look to their heroes of faith because then as you look to your heroes of faith, it'll build you up to realize that this new covenant is not based, again, on your performance or your sacrifices or your diver's washings or all the animals you sacrifice. It is based on nothing but the faith of Jesus Christ. And when I do chapter 11 of Hebrews, we're going to show how almost everything these men of faith did was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. And so what I want you to see is that he's put away from this. Move away. Look at your, look at these heroes of faith. And as he then gives them that, he says, as he does that, Look at, he said, look at away from your immediate problem. Look at your heroes of faith. Look at all these men. They did this by faith. 
And some of them didn't receive the promise, but they died in faith. And then he opens chapter 12 by saying, uh, he says, and, and uh, uh, let me think real quick. It says, uh, uh, therefore leaving, no, I'm sorry. I, I probably ought to look it up, but it says, looking unto Jesus. Oh, he says, let us run with patience. I need to look it up. Let me, let me just grab it very quickly. I, I, I don't know why it's slipping my mind, but Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Let me see if I can find I might have even put it in my notes. I probably did. Yeah, hallelujah. In, in Hebrews 12, he said, Therefore, let us lay aside, that's what I'm after, every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. All of a sudden, I begin to see there, that, that he said, let us, after looking away from your immediate pressures and persecution and the spoiling of your goods, looking to your heroes of faith and realizing this is by faith, it's not by works, what that ought to do for you is bring you to chapter 12 where you lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And for the first time, I really begin to realize in the context of all of that, that the weight was the carrying of the law and the besetting sin that beset them was going back to Judaism. But he said the way you move away from the sin, that's the willful sin here in Hebrews 10, where you go back to animal sacrifices, he said you sin willfully. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. There's not another sacrifice coming. Don't walk back over the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was enough. Lay aside that weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and look unto Jesus who is the author and finisher of this faith. In other words, put your focus now on the one who is the author and the finisher of your faith because this stuff is about to come down, is about a judgment that is about to come in A.D. 70 that was going to destroy with fiery indignation and the wrath that was coming was upon that system as God would dismantle that system uh, to the point where everything about it was, uh, you know, just incre incredibly about to be removed. And one of the things I want to get to quickly, I think I still got enough time, but he says in verse uh, 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense and reward, for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. I want you to notice that verse. Now the just will live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. This is a direct quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. He said, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak. Now note this, at the end it will speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, my soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just will live by faith. So this verse in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now this is Habakkuk's appointed time of the end. And once again, if you listen to my whole series, you realize that the end is not the end of a global situation. This is the appointed time of the end of the Old Covenant. And in the book of Habakkuk, he said, though the vision tarry, wait for it, for it will come and not tarry. In the book of Habakkuk, the vision is an it. But in Hebrews chapter 10, the vision is a he. It says, for Yiddelawah and he that, and he, not the vision, because he is what the vision should have been about. 
but he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He is not to, He came in judgment in A.D. 70 and destroyed with fire indignation. And that's what the warning here in chapter 10 of Hebrews is about, is him destroying all of this system of Judaism, and the end it will speak and not lie. And then he says, in the midst of that, for the just will live by faith. So he was prophesying of the coming covenant that would operate through faith. And Paul quotes this also in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul quotes Habakkuk again. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just will live by faith. Now Habakkuk was prophesying the appointed time of the end. And he said, at the appointed time of the end, though the vision tarry, wait for it, and it will come. Hebrews 10 grabs that and said, that he that should come will come and will not tarry, and the just will live by faith. So he's telling you that when the vision comes, it would be at the appointed time of the end. And the appointed time of the end would be when people would learn to live by faith. Now that clearly from Romans and Hebrews is not some 2,000 years and counting in the future. That was something that was replacing an old covenant paradigm that you lived by works under the law. Now we live by faith. And then again, Paul quotes that in uh, Galatians 3, verse 8 through 12. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just will live by faith. And the law is not of faith. The man that doeth them shall live in them. But I love this because he ends the book then of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but to them that believe to the saving of the soul. So it, can you see it? He's saying to them, don't go back to Judaism. Don't sin willfully. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. There's not another sacrifice coming. This is not about works. You can't be justified by the works of the law. It's evident. But if you are under the law, he, goes that, he says that for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. So what was coming as far as judgment was not a judgment on those believers who, who, who simply make mistakes, but those who are willfully rejecting this old covenant were about, or th those that were willfully rejecting this new covenant and rejecting the blood of Jesus were going to receive the recompense, and that was the judgment that they were demanding God to make because they remained under the law. But he says, I am convinced of better things of you that you won't draw back under perdition, but you'll believe to the saving of the soul. This gospel is about faith. This judgment is not in the future. It came within three something years after this happened, and the fire came and destroyed the city, burned it, dismantled it. We're out of time. Take a moment to call the number on the screen, sow a seed into the ministry. Your generous gift helps us to keep this kind of gospel going around the world. If you, don't, if you can't do that, go to our website and you can give via credit card. Send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen. But we appreciate you 
taking time to at least listen to what we're saying. God bless you. Join us every week at the same time as we continue this series on Hebrews. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.